Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, dude? Same old brother. What you up to? Oh, you know, same old shit, man. Just got home. I was actually working today. Weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah. Fishing season's over and you're working. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. I was uh, helping out a good buddy of mine, Chris, working at the taxidermy shop. So I'll be helping him out over there a little bit. And I was skinning some deer heads for him and hopefully going to pick up a little bit more of the trade. Do a little bit more side work. Yeah, man. I don't even care about getting paid. I mean, just learning the trade, something to do. You know, maybe I can get off the boat someday and get into taxidermy. I'm kind of into it, you know? I, I mean, guess you're be- halfway there. You're doing the skulls. So That's it. Why not go full-blown, balls deep, and just taxidermy? <laughs> yeah. Or just learn, you know, just a trade and kind of maybe be a little bit of help and something like that, I guess. Yeah, I feel you, dude. Whatever. No, it'd be fun. I think it'd be a blast. Absolutely, bro. 100. So how you been, bro? How was, how was, uh, you went down to deer camp? Yeah, we went down, spent Thanksgiving down at uh, camp on the North Carolina border. Uh, nice. The old lady popped another doe, so we talked about the freezer. And uh, down there, they have designated doe days due to the way they run dogs, so they have to limit the amount of does that can be taken. Um, she got the doe on Saturday. Sunday was not a doe day, and I saw probably 15 of the suckers. Damn. But it was so freaking foggy. I'm in my one stand that I can see 200 yards in every direction. Yep. But the fog was so thick, I could only see about 45 yards. Uh. <laughs> so I, I feel like nature cheated me on that hunt. Damn. But uh, did You've been see getting cheated her. the whole way around, bro. It's is what it is, man. It's, that's the game. That's, that's part of the chess that's, game. That's the truth to that, man. Everyone has those years, those humbling years. It sucks, and it's definitely not easy. It's a big slice of fucking humble pie sometimes. And uh, I'm not worried. Like I said, I, I have achieved all my goals for the year. At this point, anything extra is a bonus. Yeah. I'm, dude, I'm totally, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Do, do I want to go out and tag a couple of bucks? Absolutely. We all but, do. You know what? The goals I set forth at the beginning of the year are checked. Yeah. Anything from here is a bonus. I, I'm totally with that, bro. I mean, even if I didn't even if I didn't shoot my big buck this year, I think that it would have been a very successful season to me. You know what I'm saying? Smoked a couple of does. The wife got her first deer, which kind of came out of nowhere. But. Which was badass, by the way. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just one of those things like I, you know, I talk about this with a lot of people all the time and it's, you know, between the Euro shop and, you know, just being around a ton of people in the outdoors is just like, it doesn't really matter what you shoot. Like whether you shoot a 200 and something inch deer or you shoot a spike horn, like it doesn't really matter. It's all about like the camp, you know, like being in yep. deer camp, like we had been in Ohio and, right. you know, all the other trips that we do constantly. I mean, like that's, that's what makes the season, bro. Like shooting something is just a bonus to us. Oh Yeah. 
And everybody, you know, everyone gets caught up in that bullshit. It's the camaraderie, man. If you can't sit and bullshit and have a good time and walk away from camp with no meat and not be happy, you did your, you did your camp wrong. Yeah. I'll say it right here, right now, loud and proud. If you leave deer camp with no meat and you're unhappy, you did deer camp wrong. That's true. End of story. You know, there was a, I met a guy today, shot a really nice buck. I wish I knew his name. I'd shout him out, but he shot a piebald bu- a buck today. It was probably awesome. one, of the, one of the biggest piebald bucks I've ever seen, honestly. He's probably 120, 125. Real nice, big piebald buck. And, um, we were talking about it and how everybody gets caught up in the bullshit of just, you know, who shot a bigger deer and this, that, and the other thing. And it's not all about like, you know, he was happy, but he wouldn't, he was even happy if he shot a smaller, he didn't really care. It was just that it happened. And if it happens, it happens, you know, but absolutely. I'm as excited for a 110 inch buck out here as Mm -hmm. I am for a 200 inch buck. My freezer is full. So anything I get, I'm happy with. That's that's the truth. And, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the whole, like, the whole bullshit, like I said, about the big deer. Like, all right, there's this one dude that I know that I used to be friends with, so on and so forth. And uh, he would come into the Euro shop or my buddy's taxidermy shop, and he'd pick up every antler, and he'd look at him and be like, why would somebody ever shoot this? And we'd be like, because it's <laughs> his first fucking deer, bro. Like, why? I don't – why do you have well, to be like that? And well, then – like I titled the show that we just posted on YouTube, I I couldn't go, okay, Trev, Trev kills a doe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because of the way you framed it, just watching through that and you reiterated it over and over and we preach it. If it gets you excited, shoot it. Oh, and that doe was like one of those things like, dude, it's first light. And I hear, and she walked out in front of me. I'm sorry, but you're getting it. Like, yeah. I don't really care. Like, I, and it was I a beautiful care. doe and yeah. it was incredible meat. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect. And I was ex- after finally watching through that footage and watching how that panned out, dude. <laughs> it was feel, a hunt. I feel so bad for you setting that bow down and having that buck walk by. <laughs> Yo, so like, I have had nightmares of that scenario so many times. <laughs> it's so, 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 so when that thing had all happened, like, so I put the bow down and all I hear is, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, they're like, <laughs> they're upwind to me. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, in all actuality, I don't know if anyone's ever seen this or heard this, but I was a doe blowing at a buck because he wouldn't leave her alone. Yeah. And he was trying to get her away from him. And I, so I'm watching him and they're running through, they're running through the thicket in the oak flat and they're going out into the CRP field. And I'm like, the fuck? So that's when I, I had actually doe bleeded. And that's when, in the video, when the doe is out in front of me, she had ran into me and ran into the oak flat and didn't see anything and then turned around and walked away. And then that's when I had grunted at the buck, but he had wanted nothing to do with me. And the two of them just went up the hill and they just kept going on. And that's, but that entire hunt, so there's a section <laughs> of that that's actually missing. So after yeah, that I, I happened, cut some of that out just for theatrics. Yeah, but after that, so after that had happened, there was another section where I didn't even mention it or nothing, but I was actually about to get down again. And where my doe was, there was another buck that came into that doe and then turned around and ran away. 
That was just a whole well, Now, you did mention it. When you got down, you brought that up. And oh, I'm I did. Going, Damn it, dude. I wish you had that piece on film, too, just to reiterate <sighs> that you put your bow down, you think you're done, and bam. It was just stupid. It happened twice. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, and the thing is, and, and this is where I had talked about this last night when we were on um, the uh, publicly challenged podcast, which will probably release in the next two weeks or so. But on there, how I had gotten caught up so much on cameras and how they've just like, just totally ran my entire season. Yep. And so in this spot where I was hunting, where I shot this doe, during the middle of the rut. Yeah, I shot a doe in the middle of the rut because I don't care. Um, there, there was nothing on camera. Bro, I was on a complete scrape line, and there was two bucks that had come in in the middle of the night, but there was nothing else. I go down there, and I seen two different bucks that weren't even on camera that were bigger bucks that were searching this. And I should have known. Like, I don't know why I got so tied I, up in that. Like, cameras it just drives are, me nuts. I, I'm a, a huge believer after my last season, and we talked about this on the show with them, after last year, my season revolved around cameras, yep. and I got so hung up on it, I screwed myself. That's crazy. And I think if you just live based on what you see on cameras, you are missing half the picture, which as you ran into, okay, they aren't on camera, but they're there. Constantly. If Constantly. the sign's there, the natural, old-fashioned, outdoorsman, woodsmanship, style that tells you deer are there which is why you hung the camera there get there the deer are there 100%. big buck may see that camera one time and he may walk behind it for the rest of the time he walks on that property so irritating there it's and, it's and big deer have a way of doing that they will evade cameras as soon as they identify them it's crazy i man. don't know how or why but they do so you cannot rely on cameras when it's hunting season, they will no. avoid them. It's nuts. I mean, it's, it's, it totally ran my entire season right into the ground here in Connecticut, to be honest, maybe because I was just like, no, I'm not seeing anything. So I'm not going to go in there. And then I would go somewhere else where I thought maybe they would be. And then is and you know, right there on your camera, right in front of your stand. <laughs> I give up, dude. I just, cameras can go out the window to be honest. Like, you yeah. know, what? it was good Intel, but it wasn't yeah, crazy. It, Intel. It, it's great Intel, but nothing tells you the truth like on-ground sign, so most true. recent information on site, and you're not going to get that unless you get in there to see. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, going back to, like, you know, why this whole YouTube video thing was just, like, go out there and shoot, man. Just hunt. Just hunt, like, like you should. You know, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy, man, just shoot it. You know, like, yep. going back to what I was saying about the kid that came in and would take the horns and be like, why would somebody shoot this? And then he'd pick up his own horns and he'd be like, this isn't my deer. My deer was way bigger. <laughs> like, bro, you're in the whole, you're thinking the whole wrong realm, bro. Yep. You're, you're just not, you're not in it. Like it's it just, it's so irritating to me. And people, I think, and as the season progressively unwinds, right. And they, we get deeper into it. There's more and more people that get sucked into this. Like I didn't oh, yeah. shoot the 150 that I was after. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. It's always next year, man. If he makes it through, that thing's going to be a 170 next year. Or if it's exactly. a 120, it's going to be a 140. Who cares? You just learn and, and just move that on to the next season. Like, stop getting caught up in, in those big horns. Why? Why do we need big horns? You know, I, listen, 
And there's a lot of trophies of hunters out there, man, and I'm all for them. I think it's the greatest thing in the world, man. If you can dedicate your whole entire season and be in those areas where those big deer are. Like, we, me and Steven do not live in those areas. No. We are not in those areas. And I, and I will – they're here. Don't get it twisted. Those deer are here. We have them on camera. Both of us do. Both of us hunt big deer. But we don't have the numbers of big deer that a lot of people do. Like the guest that we have on today. He's from an area where there's a lot of fucking big deer. And he manages big deer. And he does it successfully and was able to shoot an absolute giant and does it time after time after time after time and is good at it. And we just aren't from those areas. But if, if you're into it for the sport of it, man, go out there and harvest those. Go out there and harvest what makes you happy, man. You can't shoot something that's not there. So if you're going out there in hopes of trying to shoot a Boone and Crockett deer and the Boone and Crockett deer doesn't live on that property, you're not going to be able to harvest it. And you don't exactly. know what other people have there. So like, and, and you said it best. If the deer you are searching for does not live where you are hunting, you will never kill it. That's right. You need to realize what is the big mature deer on that chunk you have and hunt that. That is the biggest deer that's there. You're not going to kill bigger than that yeah. deer. Because that's what you have. You got to focus on that and get that out of your mind. Yeah. I don't mean to go on a crazy ass rant, but as the season unwinds, I mean, you just hear more and the more people that you talk to, you you just, you know, it just just totally unwinds even more. So it's just like- You're 100% correct, dude. Seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, some of those places we've hunted down here, you know, we go down there hoping for a monster- and we run the camera in there for a couple of days, and we realize that the biggest thing in there is a 120-inch eight-point. Guess what? The biggest thing you're going to shoot is a 120-inch eight-point. Yeah. Yeah, you may get a singular picture of a big deer roaming through that area during the rut. Guess what? He came through, and he's gone. If you're getting multiple pictures, okay, that deer's around. But if you That's get, his core area. If you get a single picture of a buck, chances are you're not going to see it. Or get that picture at one o'clock in the morning. Yes. That deer is like six and a half miles away by the time that you're in your tree stand. Right. And, and people can't get that through their head. And that's this time of year, everyone's beating themselves up because it's like, oh, I saw this buck and I haven't seen him during season. This and it's like, okay, well, let's, let's think about it. How many pictures did you have? You had one, maybe two pictures, and they were probably two to four weeks apart at midnight. That buck does not live there. You are not going to see that buck unless it is an absolute stroke of luck. Or it's chasing a doe during rut. Right. <laughs> so find out what lives there and target what lives there and be satisfied you know you got the mature deer from that spot. It's, you know, everyone's got to go back to that. Just the good old, just go out there and have fun, man, and just and enjoy it. Like we preach it about all the time. Every freaking podcast that we have we preach this whole entire thing and just in different ways and it's just like as the season moves on you're like fuck come on people like go out there and have fun man like i shot a doe in the middle of rut dude november 15th i shot a fucking doe in rut yeah <laughs> like who cares and man who I cares am not worried whatsoever about it because nope. is it gonna change anything no you shot that doe it okay. piled up and you had two bucks come right in afterwards i don't care man don't care and that, yeah. if that's the last year I shoot for the season, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. You had fun. End of story. I had one of the best seasons of my life. Yeah. And it's now duck hunting season. So I so, really don't care. 
Exactly. I, I mean, mean I, does it matter? I'm going to try. This week has got a real cold front, so I'm definitely going to be back in the woods trying oh, to get the buck. Cold front, my it's 19 degrees outside. Jesus. We haven't had this yet. Yeah. Like, I am pissed off that I got to work in the morning. Yeah. I should be in a stand. I've got, I got to be at the, I'm going to be at work at like 10 o'clock. So I'm going to try and get out early in the morning and see what happens. But Oh, come on, dude. You mean to tell me that get up in the morning and go hunt and then go apprentice taxidermy <laughs> is a rough day? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> dude, I would die for that. <laughs> I, I would take that over yeah. the idiots I deal with every day, all day long. So my hat's off to you, brother. I, yeah. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I, I can't say it. I am fucking happy. I just hope that the wind's right. <laughs> <laughs> if that's your biggest issue, dude, you're doing good. Oh, yep. So, yeah, man. But it's been fucking good. It's good, man. It's duck season. That's Life is good. Look Life at this. Is good. I got this new tumbler. Oh, how's that? Yeah, where'd that come from? That came from uh, Timber Tumblers. Oh snap! Yeah, man, I'm super pumped about it. I got one for my boy Danny, who owns uh, Ducks on the Bay, the kid I hunt with all the time. So I said, you know what? Let me get two. I'll take an extra large and a large. So this is mine, and then I got one for Danny, who's even bigger. But That's just awesome. Out of respect, because he always brings me hunting all the time. So pretty cool, dude. He doesn't it's take you hunting; nice, he dude. takes you slaying. Dude, you guys have been freaking piling them up he's nasty bro i'm not gonna lie man we've done a ton of what we call christopher columbus trips which we just go out and scout new land we had hunted in mass for a while and do we piled them on i shot a really cool bird which is called northern race eider and it's got a big black v underneath its chin which is like they say it's a cross with a king but i don't the more research that i've been doing it's called a northern race or a belizeus uh eider which are pretty odd so I'm going to end up getting that one mounted. I'll get a dead mount with that one. Well, I guess that's as close as you can get to the king, right? No, so there's actually a king cross. Um, this is not a king cross. This is just uh, it's a northern race. It's actually a, it's a, it's a um, Atlantic bird, not a Pacific bird. So kings gotcha. are tracking. Pacific's are bird. Actually, kind of a good buddy of ours here. Uh, not good buddy, but a friend of ours, uh, Ryan, uh, pognigo or whatever stuff it charters uh sport fishing he just shot a king eider juvie king eider drake um actually in rhode island this week which is fucking pretty badass no kidding like, which that is a specific a pacific bird which normally is they shoot them a lot in alaska yeah um I was gonna Washington. say you don't, you don't see that on this side of the coast no you hear about like three or four of them a year like massachusetts um rhode island you'll hear about them like a guy will shoot one or whatever here and there so you'll hear about two three of them that get shot so it already started the first week of season guy shoots an immature juvie which is pretty badass um i'd do anything to shoot one of those birds because that bird would cost me a lot of money to be going out west to try and shoot so yeah definitely pretty, pretty cool so we've been on the birds they've kind of started to migrate down um a lot of them are massachusetts starting to see them in rhode island and connecticut has a lot of juvie birds so not a lot of adult birds yet but the push will start to come and things will pick up as they go it's real early in the season so once we get oh, these yeah. cold fronts and these storms and stuff we'll start to push them down but we've been hammering the past couple of days and we got um uh devin and ivy from um wild prairie uh gun dogs yep. which is where i got ruby from and uh which is my 
for you don't that don't know is my um, fox red pointing lab. Uh, it comes from North Dakota. So they're coming up to bring three more dogs or two or three more dogs. Steve Mardick is going to get one. Ghost is going to get one. And then I have a third buddy that may or may not be getting one. So they're coming to deliver those and they're going to come and hunt with me uh, the 12th and the 13th. So next week. That's awesome. Well, that third dog, if they don't take it, you can just uh, ship it down here. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yep. So they always have puppies. So if anybody's interested, there's always puppies. But uh, you definitely need one, Steve. It's almost time for you to get a puppy, don't you say? I have been fighting it off for a long time. Currently, our, our tentative agreement, I say tentative, is once one of my 14-year-olds go, We'll replace it with a good shed dog. That's awesome. So we're we're just kind of hoping that, you know, yeah, I hope I have 10 more years with the dogs I have. But uh, when one of them goes, we'll go ahead and pick up a shed dog and we'll go that route. I might know a place, uh, bud. Well, you saw what happened with Kim and Ruby up in Connecticut <laughs> on the fishing trip. So I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> If it no, comes up that it needs dog. a good home. <laughs> You're not taking mine. No, I love that dog. Smart as all hell, man. I'll tell you, Devin raises a, a good line of dogs. I, I haven't been more happy with, with, with the puppy, to be honest. So smart, intelligent, great hunting dog, great drive. Um, I've never seen a dog like that in my entire life. As far as like out of the box, smart dog. Like I didn't even teach her how to lay down. Right. Um, I didn't even teach her. I just say lay down. The dog lays down. Sit. She just learned it on her own. She doesn't leave my side. Every time I say come, she comes. I mean, it's just, I don't know how I got so freaking lucky because my last couple, not so much. But um, It's just good genetics. When you get a dog that comes from a line that is just that smart, mm -hmm. it's almost seamless. You don't have to fight it. No. You just have to reinforce it. Yeah. So I got to start messing around with her with dog, with ducks and this that and the other thing too i need to spend more time training there maybe i should stop hunting and start training but <laughs> spring's coming dude spring's just coming. kidding <laughs> but uh speaking of <laughs> um should we like turn it up a little bit yeah dude crank it i can hear it in my ears i think we ought to spread it hey everyone mike here with some news for your crews we're going to kick this one off in Vermont, where Vermont Fish and Wildlife has launched a new app called Vermont Outdoors. The new mobile app is available for iPhone and Android and will connect users with department lands, uh, fish and wildlife regulations, and up-to-date COVID guidance. The app will help folks find opportunities to hunt, fish, trap, and view wildlife on public lands. Uh, the app allows users easy access to the fish and wildlife um, digests, bait fish dealers, department news, current events, hunting and fishing regulations, seasons, bag limits, etc. Uh, the ability to report harvests and also to report fish and wildlife violations through the app. Um, the mapping on the on the app is all right. It includes. Um, big game reporting station locations, boat ramps, uh, shooting ranges, and links for finding places to hunt and fish, uh, or hike for, you know, hikes for plant enthusiasts. Um, I haven't dug too deep into the mapping. It looks all right so far, uh, at least to get started if you're unfamiliar with the areas. 
Um, personally, I think that every state needs an app like this. Uh, many times I've been on my phone hunting or fishing, trying to find information from our own deep website. Uh, so hopefully this app will be a little more user-friendly than trying to uh, use web versions on our phones. So let's keep it in New England, uh, and this time in Hingham, Mass., where World's End, a 450-acre coastal park owned and managed by the Trustees Conservation Group, uh, will be allowing the first ever deer hunt on the property. Uh, Ten shotgun hunters will take part in the two-day hunt to reduce the herd from the current population of 61 deer. In 2002, there were no deer uh, in World's End, and the recommended deer density for the property, according to the state wildlife experts, is only six to nine deer. Um, the overabundance of deer has uh, led to less vegetation and is impacting other species at World's End, uh, which supports more than 300 species of wildlife, including three rare endangered species. Uh, trustees, ecologist Jeff Denunker, uh, says they're not expecting to solve this year one and anticipates the hunt would become an annual event until the deer population is under control. Uh, the trustees do allow hunting on 32 of their properties, uh, mostly bow hunting and by permission only. So it sounds like a great opportunity for anyone in the Hingham area uh, for years ahead and anyone in that area to check out any of the trustees' other properties. Uh, I'm not sure if they're in the same area or not, but I'm sure to look it up. Um, now, for the last couple months, uh, I've reported on a number of states seeing what I would consider to be significant increases in hunting and fishing license, uh, license sales. Um, with so much focus over the last several years on the three R's of uh, recruitment, retention, and reactivation, of hunters and anglers, it's great to see the trend this year, regardless of the underlying cause. Um, and this time we jump to Idaho, where the Department of Fish and Game has stated that there has been an increase of nearly 62,000 hunting and fishing licenses uh, through the end of October compared to last year, uh, bringing the total to almost 640,000 licenses and tags, including daily permits sold this year. Uh, most of the increase has been in fishing licenses, which is up about 50,000 sales from last year, um, which is great. So now to Wisconsin, where as of November 29th, sales for gun, bow, uh, sports, and patron licenses reached 820,299 licenses sold. Uh, and year-to-date sales for all deer licenses are up 3.5% from last year. Uh, in Wisconsin, female hunters remain the largest growing demographic in 2020, uh, with numbers reaching 92,312, which is up 12% from last year. Um, as could be expected, harvest numbers are also up in Wisconsin from 2019, uh, but Wisconsin numbers in 2019 were down uh, significantly from 2018 due to heavy snowfall. Uh, the harvest trends from the beginning of archery season were above 2019 levels, uh, and this continued through the nine-day gun season. Gun season saw a 15.8% increase in deer harvest, uh, with buck harvest up 12% and antlerless harvest up 
19%. Uh, also, all management zones showed increased harvest from 2019. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we aren't seeing increased harvest everywhere. Uh, even with the increase in license sales and people seeming to spend more time uh, out in the woods with everything going on with COVID, uh, Maryland's early season harvest results are actually down this year. Uh, the Maryland DNR um, announced a 7% decrease in harvest uh, through the early archery and muzzleloader seasons. Archery season harvest was actually increased by 13%, but muzzleloader uh, decreased by 33% this year. Uh, the decline is being attributed to warmer weather during the muzzleloader season and a reported increase in the occurrence of EHD in uh, some counties. So hopefully the EHD is gone for now and hopefully it will rebound. Uh, and hopefully the weather cooperates to see some increased harvest there for the latter part of the season. So with that, as always, if you have any news, uh, please send it along to me. Reach out on Facebook at Mike Salter or on Instagram at bearded underscore bowhunter21. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. Your dad got a nice buck. I don't know if anybody knows that, but congratulations <laughs> to him. Mike knocked one down too, but not what as was it. Dad. Was it not the other day that I was like, okay, quick, giving the bad luck to your dad or oh, the good yeah. luck to your dad, not him, <laughs> you know, that whole scenario? Well, I, we kind of, luck of the podcast went to his dad. Yep. He shot a really nice big six-pointer. I thought it was like a mule deer the way it was split, but yeah, really nice buck. Nice, nasty forks. Mm. It's fucking pretty cool, but. Hell yeah. Well, I think that we should thank some people who love us. Yeah, dude. Well, because I wouldn't we say. Don't, I wouldn't say love us, but they put up with us. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and run through them, and uh, let's get into the show. All right. We are officially sponsored by Timber Tumblers. Uh, if you guys haven't checked them out, timbertumblers.com. Uh, you can find it on theoutdoordrivepodcast.com, or it's actually theoutdoordrive.com. Um, all of our sponsors are on there. So if I fuck them up, you can find them there. Uh, timbertumblers.com, Wild Edge, Inc., the leader in mobile hunting, wildedgeinc.com, Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get them in close. If you guys haven't seen it, there is the new uh, Little Ridge Runner, which has is about to hit for your turkey season. Pretty cool thing that Steven had, had and um, Mark has recreated it. So if you guys haven't seen that, go and check them out there. Uh, also, Broadside Camo, broadsidecamo.com. They are the photorealism with the Ascender series for all you aerial hunters. Um, Wicked Twisted Bowstrings.com. Uh, Wicked Twisted Bowstrings. Yeah, it's not Wicked and Twisted. I do that all the time. Wicked Twisted, brother. Um, outdoor Drive 10 on that one. Save 10%. Um, they make the custom BCY and Bloodline strings for all your needs. You can order them online and have them shipped to you. Also, um, out on the limb mfg.com that's out on the limb manufacturing they are the place that fucking makes everything and that's the truth they make uh camera arms uh platforms all your saddle hunting needs and also your tree stand needs also and uh that's about it that's all of them you can check them out they'll be on the bottom of the website there at the outdoordrive.com if you guys haven't been there, please go there. Check it out. Check out our new website. 
and uh, some good stuff on there. And also, if you guys haven't already, go over to the YouTube page. Make sure to hit the like, subscribe, notifications. Also, we got some cool stuff that's coming in and out uh, constantly. The Ohio Bucks on there. We just put on another one. Steven has a couple on there. I have a couple on there. And you can also watch the podcast here. If you guys are listening in your ears, you can go to the YouTube side and you can see our pretty faces. You can actually see the voice of the... I was uh, going to say, don't, don't say pretty faces. We'll say so, pretty voice, bad face. Yeah, and you can hear the... Uh, you can see the face of the... Uh, what did Johnny call you? The, no, let's not even get into that all shit. All right, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> ja, ja, well, I, for props in Johnny's, Johnny's uh, favor... He wanted to go with Steve the Magnificent. Yeah, that's what it was. Magnificent Steve. That's right. But, but I'm not a whole... It sounds too magician-y. Just yeah, but it's pull, perfect for you. a rabbit. Pull a rabbit out of my head. It's like, pull, <laughs> let me pull a 150 out of my ass. <laughs> no. We know that can be done. <laughs> so. We were there. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah. no. So if you guys haven't, uh, go and check out the YouTube side. And also, if, you, if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. Um, you can give it, just give us five stars, and you can give us any shitty review you want. But as long as there's five stars, um, that would be <laughs> greatly appreciated. Um, yeah, other than that, guys, appreciate it. Help us out on social media, please, by tagging us in your kills. We've had a ton of them. Um, Jim and his, and his niece... Good old Abby. Abby. She knocked down a nice one. If you guys haven't seen that, it's on the Instagram page. But tag us in your stuff, guys. We want to see it. We want to share it. We want to show everybody, and we want to congratulate you personally. That's what we want to do for you. Anything. I don't care if you kill a fucking rabbit. Tag me in it. I want to see it. So, <laughs> True story. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. I love seeing that stuff, man. You shoot a spike horn, whatever you see, whatever you shoot. Tag yes. us in it. The size doesn't it. matter. Tag us. We're going to give you props. Yeah. Got you excited. You pulled the trigger. We're happy for you. I personally want to congratulate you. So let me do so. Tag me in it. All right. Well, what do you think, brother? Yeah, you want let's to do uh, get into some growing deer? Let's manage some deer here. You guys are going to hear about a fucking giant. All right. Well, let's bring Ryan on and make this thing happen let's do it all right here comes a shooter shooter big buck stack 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 back on the line from ryan with ryan from managing deer tv what's up ryan how are you hey guys how's it going going good brother man good to have you on thanks for thanks for joining us man thanks for taking the time to hang out with us yeah thanks for the invite absolutely um why don't you introduce yourself why don't you tell everyone who you are where you're from and what you do um yeah so i'm ryan Barron from ohio and um 
I kind of just like killing big deer and it's kind of why I got invited into this podcast is I, I just got killed a big deer this season and the guys hit me up and said they wanted to talk about it. So here we are. Hold, hold on. Hold on. We all know there are no big deer in Ohio. That, that's a myth, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to stand by that and try to sell that to the masses for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, want anyone yeah. knowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think now with social media, the word's getting out. And, um, but I don't know. We just we keep killing big deer here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, Ohio is no longer considered a sleeper state. It's considered a go-to big buck state. And I hate saying that. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, and it's, and it's kind of, it's going to kind of ruin the whole, the good aspect of it, because I know it's going to boil down to who has the most money to lease the best ground. Right. Well, the public there ain't too shabby. (laughs) No, no. If you know what you're doing, um, you killed a good one there this year, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had a hell of a hunt. Yeah, we actually, Stephen had seen a really, really big one and had an opportunity and missed, and then I had shot a, a really big one there on public. So, it, they're there. Yeah, it's just they like are. you said, just knowing what what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting off that beaten path. And it seems like like where we were in some of the areas that we were, like a lot of the guys just hunt the fence rows and they just don't get into the woods like they should. I think and mm-hmm. we were in central Ohio at that point. Did you guys, have you hunted that area before or did you have a little, uh, some tips on it or? No, never no. stepped foot on it. No, had no prior information. We literally showed up and walked in, did a little bit of pre-scouting and started hunting all within huh. the same day. And then I had gone out east uh, and hunted with Keith for a little bit, Keith Chirac from Tattooed in the Wild and uh, sure. up, up in the mountains and, uh, some of that public's pretty insane too. <laughs> Understatement. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Now, do you do you hunt mostly public or you hunt private? What do you? Um, I mostly hunt private. Um, I I have hunted public a lot in in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, six years ago, I, I bought a farm down in Washington County. So prior to that, my friends and I were hunting a lot of public land. And to be honest, we, we did pretty good. Um, but then it seems like every year started getting a little bit worse and worse and worse and more and more people. And it's, it got really frustrating there for a while. I get that. Just because you were chasing the big bucks and then there would be more people or. Well, idiots like us come from out of state and pile in trying to figure this stuff out. You know, and, and yeah, yeah, like, that's like a lot talk, of it. It's just, yeah, like we talk with Cody. So, the buck that Trev got, uh, Cody, a kid we met up with there that actually helped us recover the deer, had been following uh-huh. the buck Trev got for quite some time. But well, we were fortunate that he was ecstatic to come help and wasn't negative against us for being the out of staters that showed up and hit one of their target bucks. So, right we are literally the example of what you ran into. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fine. Um, before it got publicized a lot, it was 
10 times better though. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, especially down there and around where Keith lives, that's like the Pike County, Illinois, you know, hot spot of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, and it got publicized a lot in magazines and, and stuff. And just literally in a couple of years, it blew up and every other car was from a different state. And you, you almost couldn't hunt any, any spots unless you pulled off somewhere where there wasn't even a parking area. Right. And they were just, when, when we were down there, I mean, like they had all the, the little campgrounds and stuff and we were driving through there and there'd be a million people camping. Uh-huh. And they're all from, there was none from Ohio. Like they yeah, were all, there were no locals from Pennsylvania. Right. Or they'd be from Maine. A lot, of, or, a lot of Pennsylvania that I did notice. A lot of them Pennsylvania uh-huh. boys came down. <laughs> yeah. The PA is actually going to be a lot better than, than it was too. I, there's a lot of nice deer coming out of PA now. Oh yeah. You get right there on the border, that uh, Southwest side of PA and it, it's really starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're just still in your guys' genetics. Well, I don't know. I Yeah, people need to start going to PA more, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Let's push it. I'd have it. to agree. I'd have Let's to agree. push it. Everyone we'll just, go to PA. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go shoot some bucks up there and show them what it's all about, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so with buying your farm in, in the Washington County, I mean, did you start with doing a lot of the food plots and stuff there or you have other farms or is that? Yeah, I do. Um, so I own, I own a couple farms. I have one up here and I had that one down there and it's <clears throat> the one, the one down there, the first year I had it, we killed two mature deer off of it. And, um, have to think about it uh, i think the second year or the third year we we got hit with some ehd and um i didn't it was a, it was a farm where the bucks didn't usually stay on my property during the summer so they were off in crop fields and stuff and then literally october 25th they just they all came back and right um that year it was like it's like, man, where, where are they at? I'm all, I'm seeing your little deer here. And, um, it was pretty rough, but you know, you still had those deer that traveled pretty far and you'd, you'd get a few big ones here and there. And, um, honestly this year, I think was the first year it recovered, but I sold it back in May. And then you, so, so, so what was the reason for selling it just to move on and get something new or, um, yeah, I, I wasn't seeing the, the quality of deer that I like to see on a, on a piece of ground, and I just felt that I had too much money tied up in a, a piece of ground that wasn't producing. That makes sense. So uh, I want to kind of jump back a little bit and get into uh, the, the managing deer TV part. You know, walk us sure. through that, how that kind of came about and uh, why you went that route that may put some of this into perspective for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think the, so managing deer TV was started by me and a couple friends that have a passion for, for hunting and managing whitetails. And, um, basically just the whole, the whole management aspect is probably to me just as much fun as, as hunting them. Um, 
Oh, agreed. Just watch watching them grow, watching them from year to year, I think is probably one of the coolest things there is for hunting, you know, watching a buck grow. And um, especially you put in all the hard work into food plots and management and then to, to sit over one of those food plots and hunt it and, you know, kill a deer off of one of them. It's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really rewarding, I think. Oh, absolutely. So like this year, I've been working uh, on the backside of my farm to get food plots established for two years now. This year we got it okay. in and it was all set up uh, two and a half acres of food plot. And okay. we, we were actually able to pattern and set up for my wife to get her first archery buck. And if it nice. hadn't, hadn't have been for the setup, you know, putting some of those native grasses on the outside and creating funnels in there and getting that buck to come in at 30 yards on its natural pattern, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So right after doing that, I'm a hundred percent sucked in. I think it's a blast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And there's two main things that deer like, and that's, that's habitat. I think trumps everything. If you have the best habitat in an area, you will always hold one of the most mature bucks in that area too. And then if you can bring in food on top of the habitat and give them two of the things that they need, you're golden. Right. I agree. So so with like you buying, so you getting rid of the Washington County, like what, what are you looking for in a property when you're buying a property? Like when you're going to buy a farm, like what are you looking for to try and, I know it's obviously might not have food plots or something, but is there something that you're actually looking for when you go to, to look at that property before you go in and start managing it? Um, yeah, obviously, like I just said, cover. Um, you're not looking for a big, pretty oak woods that mm-hmm. you know has huge trees. Um, you know, you'll still kill big deer in those woods during the rut and stuff, but other than that, um, you're just, you're not going to be able to hold them there. And for me, I like, I like to be able to hold those deer and and watch them grow all year. And the farm that I have up here, I'm able to do that on. So you're looking for more like bedding ground with, with the hardwoods and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, a good mixture of egg and, and bedding and, um, you know, hardwoods are good because, on a heavy oak crop year and when there's a lot of nuts, um, it's hard to pull those deer out of there. Right. Yeah. So, so then you, they're stuck on there. Yep. You, yeah. You on the, yep. the bedding, the cover, the food, the water and everything yeah. they need, they got no reason mm-hmm. to go anywhere else. Right. So the, that farm in Washington County, um, goes back to like, I had, I had good cover there, but, I did not have ag fields that were close by. So those deer would get pulled out, you know, a mile, half mile, a mile away during the summer. And, and that's where they, that's where they summered. Gotcha. Uh, so, so you could have the potential of losing those deer by them not being on the farm. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So when you're looking at properties, like say once you sold that and you looked for the replacement, what were your key factors? You know, what did you need on that property that you were going to buy next? Well, I haven't replaced it yet, actually. Um, I've added on to my home farm 
recently. Um, okay. but I, I haven't replaced, I haven't replaced that property really with, uh, with my next big hunting property. All right. Um, I, that's a tough question. Um, because there's so <laughs> many, there's so many things that come into play. I mean, like I said, cover's good. Um, neighbors are a big part of it. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's the one thing I've discovered, especially here in Virginia, is you can buy the most pristine property with absolutely everything you could ever want. But if your mm-hmm. neighbors are not willing to work on a deer management program, they're going to mm-hmm. shoot everything that comes by. You will never grow right. a deer. Nope. And, nope. and that, that's, uh, that's kind of what I hoped you would touch on. So thanks for doing that. Sure. Yeah. That's what I don't think a lot of people realize, but those, those three-year-old deer that have good genetics and are on, on a piece of property, you, you're just trying to, you're trying to hold those deer for like another year or two. Um, and I hate to say it, but those three-year-olds, those really nice three-year-olds are, are so tempting for a lot of people and they end up getting shot and they're the deer with, with a ton of potential. Oh, absolutely. You know, and they're you the let, ones that get the genetics to the next one. Exactly. You let a deer like that yep. make it to four, five, six years old. Not only is it going to be a, a giant, but it's now created three generations of potential giants behind it. Right. Yep. So when you're doing food plots on, on your farms, like what kind of, what kind of food plots are you doing? Like, what are you doing? When, what do you do to start? Like, you know, in the early spring, the summer, like what are you doing and how, what are you putting down? Well, so up here in Northeast Ohio, it's, it's pretty wet. Um, so what I, t- I tend to lean towards is green and grain. So I like to have uh, basically the, the smaller plots in clover. Um, they're 365 days a year nutrition for deer. Um, clover is super easy to grow for people. You, you don't need a perfect pH to grow clover. Um, it'll grow in wet soil. It's pretty drought tolerant. And um, deer, deer love to eat green clover all year. So um, is that and then like, majority, of, majority of your plots are clover? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, the smaller one acres or less are clover. Gotcha. Now, are, do you stipulate between red clover and white clover or do you go with like the exotics like the New Zealands or anything like that? Do you have a preference? Um, I usually plant the Whitetail Institute. Okay. Yeah, that's a mix um, of red and white, if white. I remember right. Yeah. Um, it's it's a blend that they've created and it seems to work well for me. Awesome. So on your bigger plots, what do you like to do? Soybeans. Really? Okay. And how big would yep. you say is like a big plot? So, so, um, my big soybean plot is five and a half acres with another acre and a half connected on the one side. So it's like, it's a total of seven acres. Wow. Gotcha. Um, I think that's, that's real. Soybeans are hard because if you have a, decent amount of deer you're not going to have you're not going to be able to grow a soybean food plot any smaller than 
two acres, three acres. Yeah, they'll just wear it out. They'll wear it out. I mean, it'll, you'll attract deer and you'll have them throughout the summer, but they're not going to create, they're not going to have enough pods in order to hold those deer all year. Okay. Gotcha. Now for the soybean fields, particularly, so your clover is 365. That comes up and yeah. holds uh, on the soybean side, uh, as that's usually a spring plant running into the fall. Do you tend to use any winter cover crops? So yeah, you get a, you get a lot of use out of soybeans as well. So the, we, we typically plant them in May, and right. the deer will be on them through through March. So okay. you you almost get 365 days out of out of soybeans as well. Wow. Okay, so you're putting up and leaving them standing. You're not harvesting them. You're not doing anything like that right. just letting them stand no they're they're a hundred percent for the deer gotcha mm-hmm. and it sounds it sounds like a lot um maybe a lot of money and everything else but um what, what we typically do we use soybeans that come off of a farmer's field the year before gotcha and you can pick those up for pretty cheap if you just buy them out of the farmer's bin and replant them. Um, I, so I think it's Monsanto, the Roundup company, they have like the, the patent on Roundup and they won't allow farmers to like harvest soybeans and then replant them year after year because then they, no one would buy soybeans, you know, right. The yeah, farmers yeah. would never have to buy them. Exactly. But they will grow, unlike corn. Okay. Explain that. Um, so yeah, so you can you could you can go to a farmer, buy beans out of his bin, um, inoculate them with some inoculant so that they have the bacteria in the in the soil that they need to um to grow. And you can do that by drilling them in or you don't have the equipment um roughing up the ground disking it up broadcasting them um if you're going to broadcast them you probably want to go double the rate because you're not going to get a hundred percent germination off of that right and even even for deer i it's it's never a bad idea to go a little heavy i think farmers plant soybeans at like one bushel per acre so that's like 56 pounds of, of soybeans per acre. Gotcha. That's how much seed you're putting in the ground. Um, but I, I typically go a little bit heavier because some of the stems are going to get eight before they even have a chance to grow. I like to go maybe like 75 pounds per acre. Okay. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, so that's yeah it's a, it's a very inexpensive way to plant soybeans. So you don't do like a turnip or any like the kales or anything like that in any of the other food plots or the winter green Yeah. Varieties. Yeah, like in some in some small areas we'll do um turnips are hard to grow here because of because of how wet it is. Mm-hmm. Um so they will be doing great one day and we'll get three inches of rain and we don't have the soil type that's going to drain off really fast. And what happens, uh, the turnips end up just 
basically melting and rotting away. Okay. Um, so I recently, this year, I put some money into one of my food plots, and I had drainage tile ran in it. So it's I do have turnips in that plot. Because you were, oh, because you, okay, I see what you're saying. Because you actually so now, did the things to, that you need to make it happen. Yeah, I have the drainage, so it's 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 not a hundred percent, but it's a, it's a heck of a lot better than it would have been. So, like with with some of the the food plot, so like, do you do anything that's for the winter? Like, like, because like, does a clover last all the way throughout the winter, like late season? Um. Well, so we actually we're getting pounded with snow here today. Oh, um, yeah, you know they'll they'll dig for it when there's six eight inches of snow, but that's when that's when they like this time of year, the deer are going to be in those soybeans every night. Gotcha. Is there a reason why they're in those soybeans? Like over because it's, else? um, you know they they start off the way it's we kind of have it laid out. The deer start off back in the smaller plots coming out of the bedding. And they'll they'll nibble on some clover and turnips, but they're they're going out to a destination field. You know, they deer love edges and big fields. I don't know if you guys have kind of noticed that, but like if you put your cameras on scrapes on the edge of the field, you'll you'll get most of the bucks that are in an area because that's just where they grab they head out to those big fields at night and check on does. Mm-hmm. So. So those gotcha. so those big fields are, th- those are your big time food plots. I get what you're saying. I'm so, Yeah. I, so we have basically the way I lay out my properties are with like smaller plots, which I consider like an acre or less. Um, those are kind of kill plots. You know, you 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 lay them out in a way that you hopefully can shoot ninety percent of the deer that come through them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll funnel the deer out to a destination food plot. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. I, okay. I see it now. Yeah. All so right. moving makes... out of bed, touching on that stage and then heading out before dark. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So one thing I wanted to touch with you on, on the way you lay out your land is uh, something that you don't really see on the East, but you hear about it more on the, in the Midwest is, you know, ridge tops versus bottoms. You know, what do you prefer to put in the bottoms as opposed to the ridge tops? Um, man, where where I'm at in in Ohio, we our highest ridges are like three feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. No, I, I feel you. Know, you. <laughs> you guys, you guys are used to. You guys are probably used to southern Ohio, where there's ridges and valleys. Um, up here, it's flat, and that's it's tough. <laughs> gotcha. So there's really no differential. It's more of a positioning the positioning the plot in terms of, you know, a feeder plot, a staging plot leading into your ultimate destination food plots, as opposed to right. you know, bottoms in the early season and ridge tops in the late season. You know, mm-hmm. trying to either get in or out of cold weather. Right. Gotcha. See where we're from. We're both. So I'm from Connecticut and I live in the mountains and Steven's from Virginia and lives in the mountains. So that whole like flat terrain thing is a whole new beast for us. Like when we had gone down there and tried to hunt, like 
and you find these little tiny woodlots that are like 10, 15 acres, and then the rest is ag. Like, we were lost. We were completely lost <laughs> and had no idea what to do. And, you know, like uh-huh. we would we would get into the woodlots and just like go as deep as we possibly could, try to find bedding and just hunt the bedding because that's what we know. Uh, we never really You're hunted right. the fence rows like it seemed that a lot of people did down there um, in the flat terrain. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, is that mm-hmm. like some of your techniques or how do you, how do you go about doing it? Um, let's say that again. How so do I like, go about hunting what? So like if you're, if you're hunting, like, so they were obviously like where we were hunting was like small little woodlots. Are you hunting inside the woodlot or are you hunting on the field edges? So like you're obviously hunting on your food plots, right? Yeah. Like, it, it is. Again, like up here in northern Ohio, we have some pretty big timber blocks, and it's not – we don't really have small small wood blocks. Here. Okay. Um, you know, we're looking at two, 3,000 acres of, of woods in one block of, you know, where – with roads around it. So they're, they're all pretty deep blocks. Um, okay. But then you do, you know, you have your edge field, your field edges and stuff like that. Um, I guess it depends more like this time of year, you're going to, I like to leave the deer alone, let them, let them hang out in their bedding, you know, going into late fall when they're focused on food again, let them bed where they want and just try to kill them out of the, out of the bigger fields. Okay. Gotcha. And then, what would you, you know, do more like you said, okay. when you guys were here back around Halloween, um, I think bedding areas are, are great spots to hunt. Just get right in them as deep as you can, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the big bucks are. Gotcha. So as we're approaching the, uh, the late season, getting into the, the nasty cold weather, the loss of green vegetation you know they're starting to shift to hitting you know some of that the briar and the twig stuff uh how do you tend to hunt them you know what's your preferred method i should say uh especially having food plots available to you you know do you look for a certain situation or condition or you just kind of run it off the hip based on you know say camera information or what yeah i I kind of, I literally, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time now just running cameras, watching them and, and hunting. I mean, 90% of it is, is done before I go into, to hunt a particular deer. Um, unless you're, unless you're in that two week period during the rut where anything can happen. Right. Right. I get that. So you, you shot your deer early season? I did. Yep. So opening he was day. on oh opening day? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In Ohio, that's a short season. <laughs> Hold on. That's, so oh. why don't you take us through that, how that all occurred? Like you had him pretty much pinned or? We call that good planning. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> opening day, like you shot a 200. What did he end up scoring? He scored two twenty seven and two eights. Um, Jesus Christ! Would have been probably would have broke two thirty, but on his death run, he ran into a tree and broke one of his drop tines. And <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, 
Uh, yep. I, okay, you you got to walk us tree. So, all right. So the the story kind of goes back a couple years, honestly. Um, take us back. Man. Take deer, us back. <laughs> I'm into this. A deer show. Yeah, this deer shows up as a two and a half year old, and he's he's sporting a, a 13 point rack. Um, he's a mainframe 10 Jeez. with split brows and, and a little, uh, kind of like a little kicker point, but it was coming off the main beam between the Jeep. And, uh, you know, as a two year old deer, you can tell like he's super thin in the shoulders up front. He's just your two year old deer. And I'm like, man, I've, I've never seen a, a deer that young have 13 points, especially, you know, around some of my areas. So I'm like, well, that, that's going to be a great deer one day. You know, I, I told several people, I'm like, that deer will be huge one day. And so he made it through 2018 and, um, 2019 comes around and I, I, I haven't had pictures of him. It's probably mid June. And I'm kind of wondering what happened to him. And um, we set up a lot of mineral sites on our properties. And that's where the cameras go, you know, throughout the summer. On, we got trophy rocks out. And I remember trophy rock, came out, or tro- yeah, trophy rock came out with a new product called Cherry Bomb. Right. And I got my hands on some of it. And I dumped it on one of our mineral sites. And that deer literally showed up that night. Okay, let let me put a quick pause in the story. So that's something we haven't really gone into a whole lot is like mineral sites. And that's something that I do do on one of the properties down here. Um, what does mineral bring to the game? Um, it brings what they're lacking in the soil. Gotcha. So deer, deer crave... Um, they, they crave what they're lacking really. And if they're lacking certain minerals, they're going to, they're going to go to those mineral sites and try to pick that up so that they have a balanced, balanced diet and balanced minerals in their body. Okay. So with mineral itself, do you see that adding mineral to a property increases growth or do you think it's more of a, a sustainer to allow natural growth? because mm-hmm. i've heard it debated both ways me personally i think it sustains them to grow naturally because they're only going to eat as yeah. much as they naturally need they're not going to sit there right. and bulk up like it's a weightlifter at a protein party right yeah it, it definitely keeps them healthy um no different than us taking vitamins every day i think i think it's kind of the same thing for deer Gotcha. Okay, so I'll step back from my uh, interruption. Please carry on and continue. <laughs> I just had Okay, that. so um, where were we? 2000, going into 2019. So I, I picked him up that night on that mineral site, and he was probably half halfway through growth then, I guess. And he was looking, he looked really good, but had no clue what he was going to be that year. Gotcha. Um, so he, he fit that year. He, uh, I kind of thought he was mid fifties 
um, from, from trail cam pictures and everything. And then I had a, a good encounter with him on November 12th last year. And he stepped out into a, actually there was a really small clover plot. It's, it's planted on a, on like a little pipeline and it's just a good travel, travel route for deer. And I had a couple does under me then feeding on the clover and I heard a, a huge grunt and I looked back and this deer was standing there 10 yards looking, looking at the does. <laughs> so I, I stood up and came to full draw on the deer. Um, he's 10 yards broadside right under me. And, um, I looked at him, you know, I knew he was three and I looked at him. I'm like, man, I, I looked at his neck and I, I just, I never released the arrow. Gotcha. No, I can respect that completely. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, cause judging, so, go, judging deer on the yeah. field, not easy. So I, and he was a big deer. <laughs> he was a, I thought he was mid fifties, but after seeing him, I thought he was a lot larger than that. And then we actually found, found a shed and had that scored as well. He was probably right around 171, 172 last year. Jesus. <clears throat> but he didn't I, I don't have know. like that huge, huge frame, you know, he didn't I don't have know a, if I could have like passed on that. And, <laughs> uh, to be, um, I regretted it a little bit. I had friends telling me like, you're crazy. That's a deer of a lifetime. He's 18 points. He has a drop time. Like y- I, you're going to regret it. I and I it, did. But and I, I commend you. I kind of hunted that deer the rest of the year too. I'm like, well, if I see him again, I'm going to kill him. You know, <laughs> it's a bad influence buck. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but luckily I didn't see him again. So then he made it. (laughs) He made it. Yep. He made it. There's probably a reason for that though. Yeah, he made it. And, um, so then we were into this year, 2020 and, uh, man, I picked him up really early this year. Um, probably like when his, I, I probably had pictures of him from day one, honestly. Really? And he never left that piece of property. No, never. Um, I, I know like the last probably hundred days prior to the season, I had a picture of him 95 of those hundred days. No kidding. Um, on on one of those on one camera somewhere, he he was on a camera somewhere. It was it was weird because most deer are not like that, you know. Yeah, that that's insane. And he was only mm-hmm. one. How old is how old was he this year? So he was four and a half. Yeah, two hundred and twenty something inches at four and a half years old. Yeah, I remember I said that you know who Don Higgins is. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I sent that picture to Don last year through a friend and or yeah, back when he was three and a half, just to kind of verify what he thought, knowing nothing about the deer, and he said hundred percent three and a half year old. 
and it i mean that's that's what i had them pegged at anyways but i was like man how is there how's a three and a half year old you know have a rack like this but they do um i don't know if you guys have ever visited any deer farms oh yeah absolutely but they have they have 160 70 inch deer at a year and a half old uh-huh. so it's it's really it just it boils down to like there's i don't know you can i believe through nutrition mineral and you know everything else that i i feel like i definitely put 10 percent on that deer's rack i'd agree do you, do you see that there's other potential of deers that are that quality on that farm from the work that you've put into it so, thus far? They, they definitely, yes, they've definitely gotten better over the years. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't you take us through what happened with him? You had him on camera all this time and then. Um, yeah, opening day comes around and, and it's almost like it didn't feel, it almost didn't feel like no right to go out and, and be able to hunt that deer, you know, knowing he was so big. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I completely get that. <laughs> and it, it was a, it was a pretty warm, it was a pretty warm day, but the day before was actually one of the days the day before season was one of the days where I did not have him on camera. And, you know, I, I'm like, man, what the heck, you know, what are the odds? This deer has been on camera 95 out of the last hundred days. And I've documented wind conditions, what food plot he hit, what everything, you know, I, I had it all written down. And, um, and so two days prior to season, he hit this particular plot. And I'm like, well, he's, he's going to hit it again, you know, mm-hmm. and he ended up, that's where I killed him. So wow. that's what awesome. went through your mind when he stepped out for the first time? It was almost like I, I've seen that deer on camera so much and had so much video and so many pictures of him. It was just like, oh, here he is. <laughs> Honestly, like he's huge, you know, but it was, mm-hmm. it was like, I just already knew what he was going to look like. Right. So did you like, um, did you have the shakes? Was it like, did the adrenaline rise or was it just like, I know this deer, this deer is mine. Like, no, I, I mean, just seeing him in person, I was like, holy crap at first, you know, it was like, I was like, wow, but I can't believe it's happening, but I, I didn't have time to even get nervous. Really? Um, the, the tree stand is, is right on the edge of this clover plot and he opening day here in Ohio, it's super thick and he stepped out and literally when he stepped out of the woods, he was 20 yards. Yeah, that, that's a definite, <laughs> um, I'm drawing no time to think, just yeah. get your shit and get drawn. So he, stepping back a little further, I had a, a really crappy three and a half year old come out earlier, came through the plot and, and went back in. And then I had a, a good three and a half, maybe four and a half year old deer come out and fed through the plot 
and then literally walked right next to my tree stand. I mean, I, I could have spit on him. And he smelled my boot print where I walked in, but really didn't even care. And he just kind of went behind me. And I heard, um, I heard him like tickling antlers with another deer, but it's, it's too thick. The leaves are too thick. I couldn't see what he was doing back there. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just, it went dead quiet and I didn't hear anything. I didn't even know the deer was coming. You know, it was like when I saw him was, it was, it was like, I didn't hear a stick break or anything. It was just like, bam, there he is. Oh, it was just like majestic. Just showed up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I ended up shooting him at like 27 yards. Perfect. Perfect shot. Runs out of the plot, crashes into a tree. Um, I hear some crashing and, and that's kind of, that's when my, my adrenaline took over and that was, that was crazy. So what's going through your mind before you got down? Like, um, like worst case scenario, honestly, like I knew I, I knew I I put a great shot on him. Um, I heard a crash, but here, you know, I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, well, maybe that was just him running stuff over and he really didn't crash. And just started doubting myself, honestly. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I've, I've killed, you know, I've killed a couple of other really, really good deer um, and a lot of really respectable deer. And for some reason, I, I couldn't figure out what to do. I didn't know if I should climb down or sit there or I, I, I kind of just like, I kind of just like blacked out for about a half hour. You just, yeah, I, I, I understand. <laughs> Absolutely. I understand. It, it just, you, you start to doubt yourself and not really, I mean, I don't know. I've never killed a 220 something inch deer, but I can only imagine where you're just, it's kind of lost. I did. I actually didn't think. Uh, again, I didn't think he was two twenty. I didn't even know if he would break two hundred when I shot him. That was the crazy part. I know. I know. My my guess on him was one ninety three to one ninety five. Um, and I shared. I shared it with a few friends. Um, a couple of my close hunting buddies. My dad, obviously. Um, and we were we were kind of all like, yeah, he's he's right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, when I found him and saw him laying there, it definitely grew. I mean, I looked at him, I'm like, that deer's 200 inches all day. (laughs) That's incredible. Ground growth is an amazing thing. Whoa. Yeah. And then I, I, we ended up scoring that night at like 214 and, um, I was, I was way off on something. I mean, I, I've scored a lot of typical deer before mm-hmm. and just, I, I did not have it right for <laughs> so when I, when I got them officially scored it, I kind of blew my mind again. Wow. Jeez. That's incredible. That's I'm, like, I'm like, man, it's, that's like a lot over 200. I'm like, this, this is a big deer, man. So, so now do you feel like you could just hang it up now that you've just accomplished like the goal of all goals retire. as a whitetail hunter. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, definitely <laughs> have. It's probably a goal that everyone 
wishes that they could accomplish in their lifetime because, Mm -hmm. um, but there's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll shoot 140 inch deer next year. I don't, (laughs) that's what I wanted to hear. It's not, it's not that, you know, I would love to shoot a a 170, 180 every year, but Mm -hmm. I can't find those deer every year. Yep. Reality. Hit the nail on the head. We so in the intro we had talked about you can't kill the deer that aren't on your farm. Um, and, yeah, and like you have to just hunt the mature deer that are are there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, they always have like this big ambition that they're going to shoot this absolute giant, but you can't shoot what's not on your farm. Right. You know, yep. you just have to take those those mature deer as they come. And I have a lot of I have a lot of farms that I hunt, um, mm-hmm. and I usually do find a good deer to hunt. Um, something, something that's like you know one fifty or better. Um, mm-hmm. But again, those those deer I, I don't know, especially up here in northeast northeast Ohio, they're tough to find. Really? Are you just saying that because it's because it's. You want to keep it a secret? what you're saying? Yeah, if you're looking for big deer, go to PA. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm with it. Good call. No, I, I, I don't know. I Obviously, you came into Ohio and you killed an awesome deer. What did that deer score? Uh, 166 and 5 eighths. Yeah, um, I don't know. You made it look easy, I think, because they're, they're tough to get on, man. Yeah, I mean th- – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't really but answer I, that. I, I, I personally put that up to the uh, East Coast hunting style versus the mm-hmm. all the, the Middle East based on some people because some say Ohio is not Midwest. Some say it's East Coast. We call it Middle East. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's the Eastern hunting style taken to the Midwest. You know, you mm-hmm. take tactics we got to use out here in this crap land we have, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. apply that in land where there are big deer, and you're mm-hmm. going to come on big deer. Right. So, I mean, if you break it down and you look at, at big deer shot in Ohio, um, there's definitely some counties that will produce big deer, mm-hmm. way more big deer. Um, up here in northeast Ohio is definitely not the hot spot for big deer. What is the reason, do you think, for that? Um, age probably is is probably one of the biggest parts. The blocks of, of woods just don't, you know, there's people that can access them from every different direction. You get down into more of like central Ohio, southeast Ohio. Um, there's some huge blocks of timber down there, and, and the terrain definitely will help help that as well i mean you you get into some of those really steep parts and you got a deer bedding on a bench um in gun season especially deer get driven around everywhere Mm -hmm. and there's areas that are so steep and so nasty with briar bushes and stuff guys aren't walking there and that's where those deer those big deer lay i see what you're saying and then they're so getting, they can get an extra age or you know one or two years on them to, to grow that huge rack where they're where up in the where you're where you're at they can get access from wherever and they're just going to get dro- driven out of there and shot at whether they're three or yeah 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 i totally get it mm-hmm. unless you're 
like someone like you that's managing them and being able to keep them in one area. I, I get now I start to see why you want to keep them in that area. Yeah. And that's the, that's probably the biggest part of it is I used to think that you could, you could really, I mean, you can do your part. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you can pass a deer and hopefully shoot that deer next year. But, um, it's, it's tough. And and you don't, you don't know what the neighbor's going to shoot. You know, like we were going back. Deer, the- no deer, deer are deer. And I, they, a, a buck will walk a mile every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we try to manage deer here on these smaller plots, but the thing is like, you know, I got a good friend of mine that lives down the road and he's been managing deer for a while or trying to anyways, and has a ton of food plots and puts in a ton of work and does very, very well with it. But you get the orange army that moves in next door and that deer that's three and a half that he's trying to hold off on gets whacked. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of his spikes right. go across on the next property and get whacked on. Right, exactly. So it's, mm-hmm. so it's, it's very hard to manage, manage those deer. And you see, I don't, for some reason, like this year, like obviously, like I do a little bit of taxidermy. Uh, I do euro mounts and stuff. And a lot of big deer got shot this year. And I don't understand why. And the age, the age is like, there's a lot of older deer that came in this year over years in the past. Where like normally on a normal year, a lot of three three and a half year olds get killed. I mean, piles. What what uh? So what state are you talking? What state is that? Connecticut. You had a lot of big deer shot in Connecticut this year. Yeah, a lot of big deer shot in Connecticut this year, and there's. I think there was a lot of big deer. Yeah, um, that, I, there was a ton of big deer shot in Ohio this year. Really? Yeah, that's um, been this year. There was, everywhere. There was a two a two sixty a two fifty some two forties two thirties, um, I don't know. That's just not really a typical year. I don't think. I agree. It's funny that you say that because there has been like uh, Ross Bigger. He's from uh, Illinois. Yeah, I think he's from Illinois. He shot a two hundred. I've seen like five or six different two hundred shot this year. So um yeah if you want to see big deer I I don't know if I'll give uh, give out where they're all at on yeah, uh, no, over the podcast but I'll don't. I'll uh, share with you guys where you can see see a lot of them pop up on uh, social media. <laughs> okay, absolutely. <laughs> We'd yeah. love to check yeah, it out. <laughs> it, you, you look at it and you would think there's a 200-inch deer behind every tree. It's crazy. Really? And it's just this year that you've seen that? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's always big deer, but there's a lot like really high scoring deer this year. Wow. It's so crazy. We had a pretty, we had a pretty light winter last year and right. a huge, huge. It's, so the it's, deer were like really spread out and they had a light winter. They had low stress, you know, they, they didn't have to survive super cold foot of snow for, right, like for a month and a half at a time. Right. It's. It's kind of crazy when, you know, I come back with my Ohio deer that scored in the 160s and you go back to the, you know, you come back to the taxidermy shop to drop it off and it's not the biggest deer and there's like four of them that are bigger than it and they're from Connecticut. Yeah, you're and in I'm a like, state that there's not known for big deer and you've never got people skunking you. There's never 170s in the shop. Like never. 
150s, I mean, that's a really big deer. 160s is a really big deer, but there's 170s. There's like three or four of them. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Like you said, I think I, me personally, I chalk it up to the mild winter. Yeah. They didn't have the stress. Yeah, I can say that about Ohio. I don't know what you guys experienced. It was the same thing here. Same. We've had mild winters for like three years now. And I I called it before the season even started. I said, we're going to have so many. This is the year of the Giants because we could, um, you know, looking at trail cam pictures and everybody posting trail cam pictures and, you know, people coming in and out of the taxidermy shop and they're showing them what they got on camera and velvet and this, that. And I'm like, this is the year of the Giants. I just, I knew it was. Huh. So can you guys, can you kill a pretty big deer in Connecticut every year? Um, so like, uh, what's considered big? (laughs) (laughs) So, well, you're talking about one seventies being in your shop. Um, I literally, I have not a clue what Connecticut produces. Yeah. That's pretty rare. That's very rare. So like if you shoot, if you shoot a one thirty to one forty every single year, you're somebody or you're, you Mm -hmm. know, somebody who puts in the time and the effort. Like that's, that's a good deer. Um, that's a, I mean, honestly, that's, that's, not a lot of guys can do that in Ohio. Really? I mean, you're you're really serious good hunters that have great access and some good properties can, but not everyone goes out and shoots a 130. Right. Not at all. So it's it's about the same here and then you but you'll see only like a decent amount of deer over a very small amount of deer over 150s here. Uh-huh. Like a year, you know what I'm saying? But like your average uh-huh. deer or a good deer is like 125 to 135, in my opinion. Yeah, those are your big huh. deer for the year. Like yeah. you're you're stoked on the East Coast if you shoot a 125 inch deer, mm-hmm. especially here in uh-huh. Virginia. A 125 inch deer is pretty rare, especially as a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. I mean, I mean, there's mixes of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, they're here. Like, guys do very well. I mean, there's some guys that do very well and shoot big deer like they would in Ohio, but it's it's just not – we don't have the numbers like that. Like, it's if you're few doing, and far between. Yeah, if you're doing all-day sits and you see mm-hmm. a 125 or two 125s, that's a good day. Um, that's an amazing day. Yeah. A lot of them are just like two-and-a-half-year-old, 100 inches. 90 inches. I mean, that's that's normal. That's kind of normal here, too. Really? I, I don't know. I mean, what, did you guys, like, come to Ohio and, and see nothing but giants or what? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <Yeah>. yes. Actually, <laughs> yes. I think the smallest buck we saw was 115. Mm-hmm. The, and the average your buck, first year doing it? Yeah, yeah, the average buck we saw was 130 or better. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Wow! The day that I shot I'll, mine, I'll be curious if you, I'll be curious if you have a another good year like that because, uh, I don't know, maybe you have a great a great spot picked out down there, but I mean, look at look at my buddy Keith in Southern Ohio. Um, he hasn't killed a deer yet. Right. Um, he's he's taken some other guys out that have shot really nice deer, but. I mean, he's a great hunter, and he hasn't killed a deer yet. So, well, in, in he's not Keith's a great defense, hunter. He's a phenomenal hunter. Yeah, in, in Keith's <laughs> defense, he's also spent most of his season putting other people on great deer. I 
I, yeah. And I, I did, I said that. So yeah, like that deer that, um, his buddy shot a couple weeks ago, I was actually down there. Um, awesome. That was, a that was an awesome deer. Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. an incredible deer. Yeah. He texted me and said, Zeus is dead. And I'm like, no way you killed him. And he's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was that's, like, Oh, that's the greatest thing about Keith though is yeah. he, he doesn't care. Hey, let no. me help you get right. a great deer. Yep. He's a good guy. Well, it was funny. So I was riding around in the truck with him and got to spend a lot of time with him showing me around and stuff. And then, um, we were talking and I was like, so what happens if like somebody comes into town and shoots one of your target deer? He goes, bro, I'd be so happy for him. I think it would be the most mm-hmm. amazing thing. If, it, if one of my target deer walks in on somebody that's up in a tree stand, I'm not going to tell him to pass it. I hope they shoot it. I hope that it's, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not my deer. It's our deer. Like, I hope that they take yeah. that deer. And when yeah. Zeus had gotten shot and he had sent me a Snapchat of it, I'm like, oh my God, you shot Zeus. I told you you'd shoot Zeus. And he's like, I didn't shoot him. And I was like, really? But he was so happy that that deer was shot. And to me, man, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all yeah. about right there. Like, that's what deer hunting yep. is all about. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, but he's going to shoot sure a monster. Is. I already know he's going to shoot yeah. a monster. He, you know karma comes shoot. around, man. Yeah. I'm telling uh, you. He's been close lately, but now we got gun season here right now, and it'll uh, stir things up for a little while. Absolutely. He, he's going to get it. Late season's going to yeah. come around. He's going to get it. Karma's going to come back yep. in his favor. He has helped yeah, way too many people get on too many beautiful deer this year to mm-hmm. not have that grace on his side. I right. sure hope it does. I got a question for you. So what is, what are some of the, you know, the goals for managing deer TV and some of that stuff that you have going on? Um, well, I mean, we, so the group of guys that, that film with us, um, we kind of just, we kind of just have fun with it. Um, honestly, I didn't get my kill on, on film this year. I didn't want to take the chance. Um, I, I, I blew it on like a, 170 a couple years ago and looked straight up at my camera and it was like the way that the sun was coming down in the evening um i think he picked up the glare off the camera lens because it was like he just whipped his head up and looked at it you know oh yeah it's probably like a mirror it was probably like a mirror hitting him so going in i'm like man I'd, i'd love to film my hunt but i'm like this is a deer of a lifetime i'm not I'm not going to ruin it because I'm trying to film it, you know. I think that's I amazing. That. Maybe if I ever get on another 200-inch deer, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But not my maybe. first. Not my not my first one. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, brother. So is there a place where people can see the managing deer TV? Like is it out there or Yeah, um you can check it out on YouTube. We have we do have some pretty good videos up on YouTube of of our haunts. Um, and then we just, we have social media, Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. So man, we have one last question for you. And that is what drives you outdoors? Hmm. It's, it's for me, it's that adrenaline rush after you, after you shoot a big deer. I love it. Um, <laughs> I know all yeah, about it. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's what, keeps, that's what keeps me coming back. And 
I mean, that's, that's not the only thing, but, um, that's, that's one of them. Um, I just enjoy being out outdoors and, and just where it's quiet and you can kind of wind down and not think about everyday life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. That adrenaline rush is probably number one. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you've seen our yeah. videos yet, yeah. but if anyone's going to lose it, it's me. <laughs> True story. True story. So you, you did get your, your deer kill on film this year? Yep. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to get it on film and like all came together. Like, so we had hunted, I had seen four or five different shooter bucks and just couldn't get it going. And then there was a little tiny six pointer that was uh, right underneath me and I was filming him. And then uh, the one I ended up shooting came out and was doing, making rubs and scrapes on trees. And I just turned the camera and started filming them and it like all came together. Like it was meant to be. Um, So it's all, it's all on film. Is it, is it, uh, is it out there to watch yet? Yep. Yeah, it's on our YouTube channel, um, uh, the Outdoor Drive Podcast. So you, if you want, I'll send okay. you a link if you want, right? Oh, absolutely! I want to watch it. Hell yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess since we covered pretty much everything, where everyone can find you, real quick, what's your guys's uh, social media handles so everyone can reach out, find you, and follow you there. Yeah, so in, on Instagram, it's it's managinggear.tv, um, Facebook, managinggear.tv, same thing on, on YouTube as well. And if you guys like our videos, I'd hope you subscribe to our channel by hitting that little subscribe button and uh, give them a like and, and share them. Awesome. So everyone out there listening, please go over, check them out. Make sure you click subscribe, hit the notification bell and uh, give them the follow and follow along with them, catch all their information. And uh, in the meantime, guys, just just take everything you learned from this because there's so much information piled in and try to apply it where you can. We know food plotting and managing is hard in some places, but where you can, give it a try. It is well worth it. And in the meantime, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Get the cab!